Run it up. This is another brand new episode of the Run It Up podcast. Run it up. We going in on everything sports, pop culture, and everything in the world of hip hop. Let's go. This is the Run It Up podcast with Najee Adams. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Running Up Podcast. I'm your host, Najee Adams, and you know I got my guy with me, my guy, Khalil Baker. How you doing, bro? I am well, man. It's been a weird day. It's been raining a lot and stuff. I just talked to you about it, but you know, we're cool. We're here. Glad to talk I'm some chilling. football with you. How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. I'm chilling. You know, I told you off air, but you know, I just, I said it in my first, in the first episode of the new year, trying to be consistent. Went to the gym, you know, got the little gym shark shit on. Never once did I buy gym shark ever before in my life, but I got one now. Um, it's that time. It's that time, you know. And then I cooked dinner. Feel me? And it was a great, <laughs> it was a great, great little day. I made uh, so we do Hello Fresh. Me and Chris, we do Hello Fresh. So I cooked. Uh, it was like an Italian chicken with string beans and like diced potatoes. I'd never diced a potato in my life, so I had to look up how to dice potatoes. But you know, we figured it out. I made a little protein shake. It was, hey, bro, I'm committed. I'm locked in. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds very nutritional. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you go to the gym, bro? I feel like you you definitely go to the gym. Yeah, I uh, I started going to the gym again last summer, actually. Mm-hmm. So I started going to like probably May or like June or something. Probably June. Probably June. And I was super locked in for a few months. Dropped about 35 pounds or so. Good shit. Good shit. Dropped about 35 pounds. I've been so I've been going still just like not as like super hard, like a super cut like I've been doing, but still cutting a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'd like to drop another 10, 10 to 15, but we're not I'm not super crazy about it right now. So I feel it's, oh, it's good. Shout out to Justice, my guy. He couldn't make it today, but uh, he posted his like gym journey on his Instagram story mm-hmm. and whatnot. My son is down like sixty pounds or something. So shout it's out to working. my guy. Yeah, shout he's, out to he's Justice. Been working. He just he just uh left our gym. We, we used to go to Planet Fitness. We didn't go together or anything, but he just went to another gym. So I won't be seeing him anymore there. Yeah, I go to Planet Fitness too. It's just the easiest joint. Like, and I ten, also am uh, not. I'm not com- like I don't know what to do in a gym. So like it's just an easy way for beginners. I go with my friend who like knows what he's doing. So he just yeah. teaches me what to do. So like that's why that kept me away from the gym for the longest time. Cause I was like, yo, people are gonna look at me like this kid knows nothing what he's doing. I'm, I'm why would I go to the gym? But it, I, I started going with him and he's like giving me, you know, confidence and shit. So it's cool. Yeah. I had a yeah, that ten dollars is hard to pass, pass up. up. I'm a single on. man, like I don't care about nothing else. Ten dollars yeah, is fine. Ten dollars is I, cool. I, I have a background and all that stuff, so like I'm good to go. Uh, but I did, I did have to hire like a coach uh, to get back into it, just because I'd been out for so long, and it was just like, like kind of like the way you looked at it. I did, I didn't want to get back into it just because I don't remember. I just wasn't familiar with some of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, anymore. And getting have a routine, so I just wanted to have some accountability. So it was, it was helpful. No, for sure. Yeah, my friend does a good job holding each. We we like kind of hold each other accountable and shit. So it's cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's you know Najee and Khalil's gym journey twenty twenty four. You know, a little journal entry. Um, 
But yeah, this episode we're going to talk about uh, recapping last weekend's divisional round games. We're going to talk about the championship games this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk the Titans, Khalil's team, have hired their head coach. So he's going to give his thoughts on that. And the Seahawks are one of two remaining teams without a head coach. So I'm going to give y'all who I think they should hire. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into some tangents within all of that. So make sure you guys subscribe to the pod on YouTube. Uh, I believe it's the Run It Up podcast. Leave a comment, like. Uh, follow us on TikTok at the Run It Up Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Run It Up Pod or Run It Up Pod. Not a great host. Don't even know the handles, but it's all in the description. You can follow me on Twitter at Naj Adams underscore Khalil on Twitter at Belil44 and Justice on Twitter at J Reed underscore J Reed2, something like that. It'll be in the description as well. Um, before we get into everything, got to go song of the week, which will. Hey, you heard it here first. Also be in the description. Uh, Mine is a throwback that I've just started listening to for some reason, like a lot again recently. Uh, It is Girls Need Love Remix by Summer Walker and Drake. Uh, It is a great, great song. Very incredible song. The Drake verse is immaculate. Uh, Summer Walker does her thing. Obviously, it's her song. So, Um, And yeah, I wish you guys could hear it with us, but you can check it out in the description. And uh, Khalil, who you got? Uh, I think it's between two songs for me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one for right now. It's a uh, this guy. His name is Saint Levant. Mm. Uh, the song is called "Very Few Friends." He speaks like he, he is English and stuff, but he speaks like speaks like French on the song and stuff too. But it, it's a real cool vibe, interesting song. I like it a lot. So Saint Beautiful. Levant, "Very Few Friends." Beautiful. Once again, no clue, but that's one. Literally, one of my favorite things is. Putting the description, like the song in the description and looking it up on YouTube as I'm doing it, it's become a routine (laughs) and I very much so look forward to it. Um, So, yeah, that gets all of that out the way. I guess we can just dive right into this weekend's games. Uh, I think we both went three for four. Uh, I got Chiefs Bills wrong and you got Lions Bucks wrong. So we both went three for four. You went three for four? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you mean? It you was did? it was Packers 49ers. I picked 49ers. It was Ravens Texans. I picked Ravens. Yeah. It was Bucks Lions. I That's picked Lions. It and it was uh Chiefs Bills. And I bet against God's favorite and picked the Bills. <laughs> and I was wrong. Um, you're right. But, you're right. You're right. I was expecting yeah, we, to win. I was just expecting to win. So I'm just. Yeah, you know, tie game, tie ball game, brother. So, um, we'll see if we, we'll see if we have different picks this week. Uh, but so I guess we dive on into it. Ravens, Texans, Ravens win 34 to 10. Uh, it was a different Ravens team coming out at halftime. Uh, I got a couple takeaways, but I'm curious to hear what you thought about the game, bro. So, what'd you think, man? Um, it was interesting going into it so i, I didn't want to bet too much against the uh the texans uh just going off of how that browns game went and i was pretty set on the browns pretty uh, confident in it and then seeing how they you know played that game and then going up against the ravens we knew they were a different team the ravens were uh, as far as caliber and just being more elite on both sides of the football um you know 10 10 super close at different times you know cj stroud tried his best to hang in there slowick uh you know try to call a pretty good game but you know the Ravens just have so much, you know, they put you in such a bind on both sides of the football, you know. Uh, that defense is pretty 
uh, special. They got a lot, a lot of elite players. They put a lot of pressure on you. They have size. They have speed. Uh, you know, versatility. A great play caller in McDonald. And then you want to look on the offensive end. You got Lamar Jackson doing pretty special things. Uh, he wasn't as he was really good in the passing game. Maybe not as decisive as you might have wanted him to be in the pocket. Uh, but still pretty, being pretty calm. Uh, being uh, pretty composed that way, uh, you know, took what the defense gave him. If he had a rush lane, he took that run lane and got some yards with it. He still had some pretty impressive passes, you know, outside the numbers, inside the numbers, uh, you know, and he, he is who he is. Uh, the QB run uh, was instrumental for him that game, and I think it'll be instrumental for him going forward, though, for sure. Yeah, no, I think basically echoing everything you just said, I think the Texans look a little bit outmatched in the second half uh for the ravens for me it looked like a team and specifically a qb that has been waiting for this moment for a very long time yeah. uh, and i think lamar took advantage of that uh it's his sixth season in the nfl prior to this he was one in three in the playoffs and you know a couple of those times he missed the postseason because of injuries um first loss came to philip rivers second loss came to ryan Tannehill. third loss came to josh allen so you know i just felt like he was like listen I've been denied a couple of times. I'm not being denied again. Uh, I think for CJ, I think the Texans will definitely be back. I just think it's one of those things like he's got to, you know, like it just wasn't his turn. You know, like Josh Allen's never won a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's never won a Super Bowl. Lamar's never won a Super Bowl. Justin Herbert's never won a Super Bowl. Trevor yeah. Lawrence's never won a Super Bowl. Like he'll have to battle all those guys for the next couple of years. And of course, the king of the AFC, the king of the NFL, Mahomes is also there. So like there's just so many QB battles to get to the top of the mountain there. And I just feel like it wasn't CJ's turn. Um, Lamar, I think he play, played pretty well. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and no turnovers, 252 total yards of offense. Uh, the Ravens defense pretty much shut down the Texans. Mike McDonald versus Bobby Slowick, my guy. Uh, Mike McDonald was an absolute genius. Um only Texans TD was on a punt return. So, like, they didn't – I didn't, they got a field goal. Like, they didn't actually score a touchdown this game, like, on, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think the Texans season was a massive success, like, not to take anything away from them. D'Amico Ryans is probably my coach of the year, either him or Stefanski. But, you know, it's probably D'Amico for me. I think nobody thought they'd be in the division around. I, think, I don't think a lot of people thought they'd even be in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, like, when a team – when teams draft QBs, like – this is what they imagine them becoming, you know, like the dream scenario. Everyone's looking for the guy that will like completely change their franchise, you know, alter the trajectory of it. And like the Texans found their guy, the Texans found that for them in TJ Stroud. So I feel like they'll be good moving forward. You know, like I think the AFC South is going to be a battle for a couple of years to come between Stroud Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, who I, it's been highly documented on here. I'm an Anthony Richardson guy. I me love too. me some Anthony Richardson. Um, and then whoever the Titans roll out at QB, Will Levis, you know, maybe it's, Malik, nah, Malik Willis resurgence. Stop So, you know, between those four, I think there was some good battles in there. Um, I was curious, though, how would you rank the AFC South going into next season? Into next season, yeah. Uh, into next season, man. I would probably go. That Jags team is so so weird right now. You it's so talent. weird. Like they so, could be really good, but they could also be like, eh. <laughs> you yeah. Talent on both sides. You know, they're they're fast on defense. You know, they they can be physical a little bit. I think they're maybe a little undersized, probably. Um, 
maybe a little underwhelming. They need to figure out on the defensive end, especially with the coordinator position. That way, uh, offense kind of kind of just weird itself too. Um, I might go. He's a free agent. Josh Allen on the defensive end, I think, is a free agent. So there's a lot that remains to be seen. Pretty much for every team, of course. You uh, you look at the Colts. You want AR to get healthy. Um, you know, they got some stuff to figure out for a lot of free agents coming up and, you know, this year and and for next year. Uh, Texans have a lot to fill out on their roster themselves, uh, especially going forward. But they got some really good uh, foundational pieces. You got Will Anderson. You got Christian Harris, who was really good. Uh, you know, I think uh, Green Greenard, he, uh, he's going to be a free agent coming up. But Stingley had a really good year. They need to probably need to get another corner on the other side with, uh, with Stingley. Uh, got to get Tank Dell back. Nico Collins, re-signing him, getting him paid. C.J. Stroud, obviously, offensive line is a really good place, too. I would probably go – I think I'd go with – man, it's hard. I think I'd go with Damn, the you didn't say nothing about your Titans. I know. I know. They're just <laughs> – okay, so I'll talk about the Titans a little bit. Uh, they're, you know, they're, it's just so much, uh, you know, a new head coach uh, and Brian Callahan, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, offensive line isn't very good. Um, quarterback situation still remains to be seen, but I feel pretty good about Will Levis and think he did a lot of things. The offense looked completely different when you had Will Levis in there compared to any other quarterback that was on the roster. Uh, he's very aggressive. Uh, I think they did a really good job of kind of helping him balance it a little bit. Um, you know, but the offense was much better with him in. Probably won't bring back Derrick Henry, but Ty J. Spears looks pretty primed to come in and, and you know, carry a, a bigger load of, of the offense. Receiver room is skeptical a little bit you got an aging deandre hopkins trey burks can't stay stay healthy uh we have the seventh pick in the draft don't know what we're gonna do with it uh you know we just got brian callahan you know so do we get a receiver in free agency people talk about t higgins um you know mike evans is out there people talk about him a lot did we get a receiver in the draft do we go off into lineman uh defense has some really uh good bright bright spots but there's a lot to figure out with this titans team as far as the coaching staff uh, the roster spots, what moves did we make? So I'm going to go with, uh, just to be realistic, I'm going to go with the Colts, Texans, Jags, Titans right now. Colts, Texans, Jags, Titans. I like that. I think for me, I probably go, just because we've seen it with the Texans, I probably go Texans, Colts, because I really do think Anthony Richardson is a game changer. Like, I think they, yeah. Gardner Mitchell did a great job. He came in, he filled in. They were went away from the playoffs. But I just think Anthony Richardson changes that franchise in the same way that Stroud changed the Texans, you know? Yeah. And so I think I'd probably go Texans, Colts, Jags, Titans, and like, I don't love the Jags. I might put them last. Like I'm, I'm not a Trevor Lawrence guy. The thing is, there's just so many like question marks for the Titans for me. Like, I, and and so like at least we know what the Jags look like for the most part. Um, obviously, like I said, like Calvin Ridley may or may not come back. They've already kind of hinted towards franchise tagging Josh Allen on the defensive end, but like I, I think my top two are definitely. Uh, Texans Colts, but I think that's going to be a fire division. Like those four QBs battling it out is going to be a fun, a fun division for years to come. So, um, yeah, AR, a Brooklyn AR. I thought, I think that's uh, that Colts team would have been a lot better with AR in there, obviously. 100%. Yeah, you know, people talked about him being super raw. That's whatever. We talked about him a little bit throughout, um, 
you know, the pod and, and just on Twitter and whatever else. Um, you know, but I think he's a lot more polished than people think coming in. Of course, he's inconsistent. There's a lot to work on, um, you know, but you you saw it when he was in, when he was playing uh, some pretty special throws, a very special arm, uh, can throw from all types of different angles um, and really put a lot of pressure on the defense on both sides that way with running the ball and passing the ball. Uh, and you have Steichen over there, who was a pretty – a great play caller this year and having JT finally come back that offensive line defense was uh, also surprisingly pretty good too. Uh, you got two really good linebackers on the end, Buckner and all that other type of stuff. So I like the Colts going forward. Um, I think they're with the QB. I think they're in a better spot than the Texans as of right now. And just going off what you said, the Titans just have so many, so many question marks. I have a Titan shirt on right now, by the way, but the Titans just have. No, I saw, oh, I saw, yeah, that's what that's yeah. made me ask you. They have so many question marks right now, and I just can't put them over. I can't put them at three uh, just because there's a lot to figure out. And so the answer is probably going to be different in a few weeks. And as a Titans fan, I hope it's different in a few weeks. Um, but, you know, I, I have them at four just for that reason pretty much. Yeah, I think just to touch on Anthony Richardson one last time, the the, the Colts were two and two when, when he he's two and two in his career. It knows four games, one of which, you know, he – missed like with injury really three and a half games um he had seven total touchdowns and one interception so like he was playing really really good you know like they would had he played the entire season there's a decent chance he could have really challenged cj stroud for that offense rookie of the year um and so i just think and, and there the problem is like there were already a lot of question marks with him coming into the year um he had struggled with injury at florida comes into the nfl struggles with injury at indiana in indianapolis and so, you know, I think those same question marks, I think he, he, you know, relieved the worries of a couple of people, but like a lot of those same question marks still stand because like, can he, is his, like his, you know, superpowers, his ability to rush his, his, his height, his stature compared to other quarterbacks. But like, if you can't stay healthy, that doesn't really matter. So like, I, I think moving forward, we'll see kind of what Anthony Richardson turns into, but I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. So we'll see moving forward. Um, I love that this is turned into an Anthony Richardson pod. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take it. Um, moving on to the next game, 49ers versus Packers. Uh, we both picked the 49ers, and the 49ers did win 24 to 21. Um, I will say, I feel a lot. Hey, if I was the Lion, I'd feel pretty good coming into this game. <laughs> I, I I think the 49ers showed like a lot of a good amount of we like they're not invincible. They're not invincible whatsoever. Um and granted like the weather wasn't great wasn't great. Brock Purdy was struggling to throw. They were without Debo Samuel for the large majority of it. Christian McCaffrey put them on his back. Um and you know I the Packers put up way more of a fight than I thought they would. Uh Brock Purdy was fine TMC was insanely good. Jordan Love looked great in every drive except the last drive, the one that mattered the most. Um, but then again, like he's a first year starter on the youngest team in football. So, like, what can I think for what the expectations were, he blew them out of the water. I think that if whatever you thought about Jordan Love coming into the game, I don't think he did anything to make you think any less of him. And I don't think he did anything to make you think that much more of him, you know? So, like, I think your your opinion of Jordan Love pretty much stays the same. Um, granted, he did kind of cook against a really good 49ers defense. So, you know, maybe you, you boost him up a little bit, but I definitely don't think that end of game pick makes it like makes kills his legacy by any means. Um, 
I do want to give a shout out to Matt LaFleur because he is just an offensive mastermind, in my opinion. Um, coming into the season, I think everyone thought the Packers' biggest weakness on the offensive end, maybe on the entire team, was that they didn't have a number one guy at receiver. A lot of people thought Christian Watson might be that guy. Uh, he's not, you know, <laughs> like, like he, whether it be his inability to, you know, high point a deep ball or, you know, uh, just his inability to stay healthy for whatever reason. Personally, I think not, it's the health, by the way. Yeah, not, I yeah. think it's the health. Yeah, he's just not able to stay healthy for a lot of time, uh, for a prolonged period of time. Um, and so they've had to, you know, look other places. And I think he turned their biggest weakness into one of their biggest strengths and that, like, anyone can go off at any given time. I think I heard on the broadcast that they had, like, a different leading receiver in every month of the season, <laughs> which is pretty crazy, you know, between Jaden Reed, Dontavion Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, uh, Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, Christian Watson, like all of those guys are playmakers. And all those guys like have a role on that offense. And then you got Bo Melton, you know, shout out Seahawks sixth round draft pick Bo Melton, who is now. Alan Packer, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I just think they have a lot of talent, and Matt Lafleur wasn't necessarily able to cook with Aaron Rodgers because you know Aaron Rodgers has a lot of say in what the play calls are, especially when he gets to the line of scrimmage and changes the entire play. But you know, now that he's got a little bit more control over the offense with a first year starter and Jordan Love, I think we really got to see him cook. And uh, the Packers had a great season, and I think they're going to be really good for over the next couple of years. That pick was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I think he just shit his pants, to be honest. Like, I just think he lost it. You know, like, he was just – it. the pressure of the entire season completely crumbled him, you know, which is fine. Like, that's okay. I just don't think that – he like, if he could have it back, I'm sure he would. Oh, yeah, of course. That but, was It was just it was just egregious, man. And, it's insane. Like, that's <laughs> Triple just, coverage or whatever. Like, Going, I think going to his right, full sprint. You got, I think, Watson going to his right, full sprint, and him throwing across his body, across the field. Not a, not an easy throw whatsoever. Uh, just and it wasn't like it, fourth down, right? Like it was like second or third down. Like, it might, it <laughs> might have been first or second. Like, it was yeah, like, like they had with, another down, a couple downs to go with 50 seconds left. Like there's 50 seconds left when the play was like snapped. Like he, there was. And they only need a field goal. <laughs> just to throw it away. Plenty of time. And he throws that. And I don't know. It was just that was a really stupid play. Um, from a player who hasn't played very stupid, uh, you know, in the past few weeks, uh, past couple months and so, but he's been really good. Um, it was disappointing to see it in that way. Um, you know, but it, it happens and you know, a young player uh in a huge moment. And so it'll be something to learn from. Uh, going with the 49ers a little bit. Brock Purdy uh, struggled a lot during that game. Uh, for most of the game, he had some really bright spots. He had some bright moments uh, where he looked like the the typical Brock, Brock Purdy we've seen all season. You know, quick processor, throws in anticipation, uh, you know, has commanded the offense and really rip it a few times, especially over the middle of the field where like in a lot of traffic. And we still saw it at different times. But, you know, for the most part, he didn't have a lot of control of the ball. Uh, you know, weather conditions played a huge part in that. He just wasn't as confident as he usually is. And I think the rust played a big part on him. Uh, I think it played a big part on the team, but, like, mostly him. Like, he just wasn't seeing the field as uh, as good as he usually does. And, again, with the weather, just wasn't as confident in those throws. Uh, you know, so if you're not seeing the field, if you don't have confidence in your control of the football, it's just not going to be there as much. 
Um, you know, so he struggled a lot, but even on that last drive, kind of putting things together, um, you know, taking his team down the field, getting a CMC touchdown there was pretty huge for them too. Uh, and, and Abe was able to, you know, help solidify victory that way. But, you know, they did, you did see some holes on that team. Uh, you know, a Packers offense that was, has been rolling, especially getting Aaron Jones back, finding some stuff, the receivers, uh, you know, you see, you know, some holes in that defense and, you know, not being the same defense, not being able to generate a pass rush uh, as, you know, as good as you you think they should be able to, you know, so they're in an interesting spot going forward, you know, looking at that team, they were lucky to pull out that victory. Uh, Packers had plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities, uh, you know, drop picks, uh, you know, just dumb plays here and there, penalties, whatever it was, plenty of opportunities, but could never really turn that corner um, and, and really, and really, you know, turn things around and give themselves a chance for a victory. And, you know, 49ers gave them tons of chances. Even with that uh, halftime thing with the, the clock management from, uh, you know. I think they were scared to death to let, was, the, to let the <laughs> Packers get the ball back. I was so dumbfounded on Twitter. Like, I just kept tweeting about it. Like, I was t- texting the group message about it. I was, like, tweeting my um, – just, like, for my uh, profile about it. I was tweeting other people. Like, I was just so – it was so funny to me, you know, like he uh, took so much time off the clock. Uh, you know, they weren't really in a rush at all. They did not want to give the ball back to the Packers. They knew they were getting ball back at half. They wanted to settle for three points. They finally got in a position to get those three points. He missed the field goal. And then they go for three and out when they get the ball back at half. Like, it's just so funny to me. Um, and I don't, I don't think I don't think the football guys were with him at that moment, like for a four o'clock management, poor decision making. And I just think. Most of the time when you're in those situations, you want to play to win. Uh, but he also didn't trust his offense at the moment. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy was still getting settled in. So you can kind of understand that way. Uh, you know, I just I just don't think that was the smartest, uh, you know, decision by him. And fortunately, they come back to haunt him. He's mm-hmm. thankful for that, I'm sure. But it, it was just really funny to me. Yeah. No, I think that game was a little bit weird. Like, I, I feel like we don't often see crazy upsets. But that would have been a pretty crazy upset. Yeah. Like, like, and we were so close to and, and like I don't know. I remember watching the game thinking, like, damn, like, should the Packers just let them score? But like, then again, like, do you trust your offense to come down and get it? I don't think they ended up letting them score. I think TMC was just like, no, 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 I'm getting the touchdown. And they yeah. not there wasn't really anything they could do about it. But I don't know. It was a pretty insane game. Uh it was super exciting, action-packed. I think it was a way better game. And a lot of people thought I said if any game was going to be a blowout, it was going to be this one. Uh, clearly, I was wrong. It ended up being <laughs> Ravens, Texas. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty good game. Yeah, they're um, part of DC. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans are pretty stoked. Yeah, they got him out of there. They got him out, out of there. So, that'll be interesting to see what, who they bring in for that. There's a few teams out there who need, who need a DC now at this point, you know, so that'll be interesting. Uh, not I think it's like the, in the market either. So, Maybe someone will hire Bill Belichick as their DC. You know, maybe well, someone will hire Mike Vrabel as their DC. Yeah, of course, there's guys on the market, but yeah, there's a um, there. I think Nick. I looked. I was on Twitter right before we started. I think Elite Take Nico Elite Takes. He just posted a picture of Mike McDaniel and Bill Belichick, and he, he was like, "Walk with me." He was just insinuating that the Dolphins should bring in Bill Belichick to be the DC probably for a year. Come on, stop yeah, it! Stop, stop, it. <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Stop wild. it! That no, I feel like a lot of teams need DCs or are, are firing DCs just because, like, the league is so offense-heavy right now. And, yeah. like, everyone's looking for that new offensive mastermind. 
that Mike McDaniel, that Matt LaFleur, that Kyle Shanahan, that, you know, Ben Johnson vibe, you know? So I think, you know, uh, we'll see. I, I think a lot of people need a little DC magic. So, um, Moving on to Lions, Bucks, Lions win 31 to 23. Um, I'll let you start with this one because this was kind of a weird game to me. Like, and I don't even know exactly why, but it was just giving kind of weird vibes. Like Baker Mayfield looked pretty damn good. Mike Evans was, you know, absolutely cooking Cam Sutton. <laughs> um, um, you know, and Jared Goff and the Lions kind of Started a little bit slow, but then their offense started clicking. Jameer Gibbs was amazing. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown did what he needed to do, and the Lions are going to the NFC chip. But what did you think of the game? Yeah, I was pretty dumb to pick the uh, the Bucks last week. Hey, it's all right. You know, at least you didn't pick against the greatest player of all time. Yeah, yeah I don't know what you did there. I don't know why you were doing that. Hey, you might do it again. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was, but I was, I, I went into the podcast and I was gonna pick the Lions to beat the Bucks, and then you started talking. I started thinking. I was like, man, I think the Bucks really match up with the Lions here. Uh, you know, I even think I even had Baker Mayfield as a better rank right ahead of um, Jared Goff coming in as like on a rank QB rankings that we did a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it makes sense. They're rolling right now. You know, both teams are playing pretty well. That Lions defense, you know, just. I don't know if they can actually stop that Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, you know, Chris Goblin and offense, you know, offensive line is pretty good too. I talked myself into that and it bit me in the butt. Uh, Jared Goff played extremely well. Uh, he, he looked really good. Uh, had some beautiful throws. Uh, some really impressive throws as far as like driving the ball down the field, uh, you know, in some tight windows, playing with some anticipation that way and just putting a lot of pressure on defense and especially in the passing game. You talked about Jameer Gibbs. He is a a special player, a special talent. Um, so the more you can get in the ball, the better uh, it is that way. I underestimated that offensive line for the Lions for sure. Uh, you know, I was really talking about the Bucks defensive line, but that offensive line for the Lions um, – they they don't they, they don't have a lot of trouble uh, with you know very many teams uh, and we really saw that you know via Vea you know players are gonna win every now and then you got via Vea over there they're gonna win every now and then uh, but that line's uh, offensive line really holds themselves well uh, and even on the defensive end uh, you know Aaron Hutchinson he's a special player that way it's been pretty huge for him all season uh, you know with pressures being consistent being a game changer that way you know so the lines. Ben Johnson played, he called a heck of a game. He will be getting, I guess, I think, he'll be getting a head coaching position pretty soon. Uh, always putting them in good positions, really changing around Jared Goff and, um, you know, that mindset and his play style and really putting, you know, faith in him and belief in him. Uh, Bucks, had, you know, they had a great season. Their offensive coordinator just got hired, you know, for the Panthers, so really good hire there for, their, uh, for them. But he really did a great job at Baker Mayfield. He played very well. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, but it, it was a weird matchup, and I was I was wrong with it. I admit that. Um, you know, you know, but it got a little bit closer at the end there. But you know, Lions were able to pull it out. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Lions did really well. I think the the Bucks surprised me a little bit. I think this I didn't expect them to put up as much of a fight as they did, even though they matched up relatively well. Um, I was very proud of Baker. Hopefully he gets the bag in the offseason. Um, I don't know how much, though. You know, like their OC just got hired. Mike Evans might also be gone. So, like, I think there's a lot that probably goes into 
that decision for the Bucks. Like, what does Baker Mayfield look like with when Dave Canales isn't calling the shots? Um, what does Baker Mayfield look like if Mike Evans is not down there to moss people? You know, so I think it, that'll look very that'll be a very interesting decision for them. I do think he's played himself into being a starter somewhere. Um, and when you look at teams around the league, like not a ton of teams need a QB that bad right now, like that aren't going to be able to address the need in the draft, I feel like. So um, I feel like the Bucks are a good spot for him to, to, to land like that's He's had a lot of success there in this year. I remember coming into the season, people were like, no, 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 Kyle Trask is going to win the job. And, you know, Baker Mayfield won the job and held it for the entirety of the year. They were in the divisional round, a touchdown away from the NFC championship. Like that's massive considering what people thought coming into the year. And I think that's been like a big theme in this postseason, like really reevaluating, you know, maybe the thought process that we take coming into the season because the Texans, nobody thought they were going to be good. They're amazing. The uh, Bucks, no one thought they were going to be good. They were really good. Even to some extent, the Lions. I think a lot of people were higher on the Lions. I don't know if people thought the Lions were NFC chip good. So, you know, I just think that a lot of teams kind of outplayed, you know, even maybe the Browns. Like, I think a lot of teams outplayed their, you know, projections and their expectations. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Baker Mayfield gets this year. I think uh, I had seen on Twitter, like, someone was talking about, like, I don't know, 25 mil a year, like, three years, 75 mil, something like that. Um I think it's fine for Baker. You know, he is 28. Uh, so, like, it's not like he's this young buck anymore. He is a bit of a journeyman, you know, like Browns, Rams, Panthers, uh, and now Bucks. So, I don't think he wants to go to a fifth team. And I think it makes sense for the Bucks to, you know, try and build on the success you had this year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Baker in the offseason. But that brings us to our very last divisional game, the most heartbreaking game I've watched this year. <laughs> Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs win 27-24. I picked the Bills to win. I firmly believe the Bills should have won, but, you know, it's just impossible to beat this guy. Why do you think that? Because (laughs) Tyler Bass should do his job. Like, come on. At least tie the game. If Pat Mahomes comes down in a minute, three seconds, and – yeah, they were getting the ball back. They were getting the ball back. They definitely were. But, you know, we had to – I'm not saying we. I ain't no Bills fan. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I'm a Josh Allen guy. So, I was heartbreaking. My heart aches for him because he did He did all he could. Like, there was nothing more he could have done. Um, except maybe hit Khalil Shakir on that, that that pass that everyone's so angry he didn't throw it to three receptions for 21 yards, <laughs> Stephon Diggs. But, you know, or maybe if he would have called the deep pass, we wouldn't be in this situation. I just don't think it was Josh Allen's fault, all I'm saying. He got hit while throwing that to Shakir. He did. Field, though. He got hit while he's throwing it because it was there. It was, like, obviously there. If you just look at the film. His um, tackle got driven back. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, like, what do you, like, what do you want him to do right yeah, there? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the throw's there. He read it perfectly. Like he was aggressive, he got an alert, made the throw, and he got hit while he threw it. Like it's it just happens. It's like you, I don't, you can't dock the guy for that one. I don't think. Neither. I think it's very easy to play screenshot QB when you, you know, like cool. Diggs was open in the flat for eight yards. Nice. When there's a guy <laughs> wide open in the end zone, like I'll take. I'm taking that shot every time. Um. Josh Allen moves to 0-3 versus Mahomes in his six seasons as a starter. He is 5-5 five and five in the playoffs now. Three of those losses under Pat Mahomes. One is to Deshaun Watson. Crazy. And the other is to Joe Burrow. Um, 
I think the battle lived up to expectations. You know, it was neither Mahomes nor Allen turned the ball over. Josh Allen rushed for two. He threw an absolute missile to Khalil Shakir in the end zone. Um, Mahomes threw for 215 and two TDs, both to Travis Kelsey. And I believe Isaiah Pacheco rushed for a touchdown. Um, six straight AFC championship game for Mahomes, which is absolutely insane. He's 13 and three, still never lost in the divisional or wild card round of the playoffs. Uh, he's one win away from tying Peyton Manning and Steve Young for third most playoff wins of all time. Uh, he has the most playoff wins by any QB before turning 30. I think we talk about him possibly being the goal all the time, but like it's a look like he's <laughs> like it, it's like a legitimate track. Like he's it's not a crazy thing to say that like by the end of his career, he could be the greatest, he could overtake Tom Brady for greatest player of all time. You know, like he's won two he's Super away. Bowls in six seasons starting. If he wins a, this year, he'll be three for seven. And he'll he's what 28 years old. He's he'll if he wins the Super Bowl. That'll be 15 playoff wins. I think Joe Montana has 16. Tom Brady is like 33 or something. So, like, he's got a long way to go before he gets there. But, like, he'd be one away from Joe Montana in, in his sixth season. Like, that's crazy. Um, I do feel really bad for Josh Allen's legacy, you know? Like, I, it's like when you look back on these years, you think, like, wow, Josh Allen's probably one of the best like talent wise quarterbacks we've seen play the position. And it sucks because the guy that he has to run into is just the best one we've ever seen. So like in any other scenario, Josh Allen would be the best guy on the field, except for the one that matters the most. And so when you look back on these Josh Allen games, you, you think back to that 13 second game, like he played outrageously good. And nobody cares. Uh, the only thing people think about that game is Mahomes 13 seconds. Boom, Josh Allen got dropped, didn't get the ball back. He was immaculate in that game. He was immaculate in this game. Will not be remembered. Like, it will just be remembered that he went up against Mahomes and couldn't get it done, which sucks because he deserves a Super Bowl, man. Like, he's good. He, he, he does so many good things on a football field, and sometimes it's just not rewarded. Um. The Chiefs tried to give the, the game away. Cole Hardman running end arounds, getting touchbacks. Um, the Bills just couldn't take it advantage. Stephon Diggs, disappearing act. Uh, he's played nine playoff games as a Bill. He is over 100 yards in three of them. I know a lot of people kind of like to blow it out of portion. Like, he never shows up. He's got 300-plus yard rece uh, receiving yard games as a Buffalo Bill. The thing is, he's also got four games at 52 yards or less three under 40 so like i just feel like the floor and ceiling fluctuates so much with him like the ceiling is outrageously high like he can be the best receiver in football for a given stretch like he was for like the first four five six weeks of the season yeah but the floor is just also like giving me three for 21 in uh, an elimination game dropping what was the biggest play of the game, possibly, going letting it go right through your hands, it just can't happen, you know? And so, like, he didn't have a 100-yard receiving game since week six. You know, like, there's been a lot of chatter about trading him. Um, the last two big-name wide receivers that got traded, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, they both got traded mid-March. 
because um, they were on the back end of their contracts. The Chiefs and Packers did not want to pay them. That is not the case here. Stephon Diggs signed a four-year, $96 million deal for the start of the 2022 season. So, like, the Bills still owe him a significant amount of money. Um, if they tried to pay him, uh, trade him pre-June 1st, they'd inherit a dead cap of $31 million. Uh, and they're already going to be $43 million over the cap. So, like, that's just not happening. Like, they're not trading or cutting him before June 1st. Not happening. Impossible. They would be in financial hell. Uh, if they traded him post-June 1st, they would save $19 million towards the cap. But, like, in June, you don't really see a lot of NFL players get traded. Like, most NFL rosters are already set. Big-time players typically don't get traded in June. I personally believe he will be a Buffalo Bill next season. Gabe Davis will be a free agent. The Bills need all the wide receiver help they can get if they bring back Stephon Diggs and Khalil Shakir. Um, it doesn't really make sense for them to trade Stephon Diggs because they won't be able to find a player to replace that production anywhere in June. You know, like, it's just not happening. So um, I just think he will be a, a Buffalo Bill. Uh, that's also why I feel like Devontae Adams will be a Raider because the cap hit situation. Um, the thing with Devontae Adams is like, it does just make a lot of sense. You know, like him going to the Jets, with, yeah. the Raiders are kind of, you know, in a little bit of a rebuild. So it makes sense. That makes way more sense to me than Stephon Diggs going where the Cowboys to go play with his brother and <laughs> be wide receiver two to CD Lamb. Like, I just don't see it happening. So um, I think Stephon Diggs would be a Buffalo Bill. But, uh, yeah, that, that was really my takeaway. Did you have anything else? Yeah, I don't really know why they would trade him, uh, you know, at this point with their roster construction. You know, you talked about it. They need all the receiver help they can get. Uh, I don't know why you would trade him if you don't have any insurance for the production and the value you lose, you know, getting rid of him that way. You already talked about Gabe Davis, uh, you know, leaving, prop probably leaving after this season, being a free agent. So it, they're in a weird spot. Uh, they definitely do need to prioritize getting Josh Allen some more weapons. Uh, they've been at that point for a while now. Uh, we've seen it. And, you know, they've started to incorporate more, um, you know, aspects of their offense, you know, having Dalton Kincaid there, you know, Dawson Knox coming back, seeing him uh, really utilizing the running back position, especially with Dalvin, or not Dalvin Cook, but James Cook, uh, really stepping up his game and elevating uh, himself this season. Had a really great season. I think he was sixth in all-purpose yards. Um all scrimmage yards. So like, you know, seeing that, seeing the other elements of their team, you they still they're still a, a receiver away, another receiver away, another weapon away uh, from really you know putting themselves over the top and really giving Josh Allen the consistent help uh, and support that he needs. Uh, you know, because we've always seen at this point like he has pretty much always been the offense uh, has hasn't always had a running game to rely on, always having a lot of pressure. You know, so even at different points where he had all that pressure, felt all that pressure. We kind of saw him, you know, make – kind of overcompensate, I guess you could say. Uh, make a lot of stupid plays, turn over the ball, trying a little bit too hard, forcing things. Uh, and we've seen a lot of players do that, uh, you know. So I don't think it's crazy to see Josh Allen, you know, kind of take it upon himself, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, right the ship and, you know, overcompensate and get his team to a victory. But I just don't know why they would trade him. There's some other stuff they need to do, um, you know, with the roster, of course. But – they need to look at all options there. I think Sean McDermott needs to come back, of course, uh, but they got to figure out the OC spot for sure. Um, I don't know if you bring back a Joe Brady. The offense was fine with him, of course, uh, but I also think they need to maybe open up that position and just look at some other places to really see what they can do with it and give Josh Allen, um, you know, a, a really good play caller that can utilize all avenues of their offense. 
just going real quick to Mahomes and Allen, man. Two of the most top, like, special quarterbacks we have in this league right now. Uh, I think the two top quarterbacks for sure uh, who do so much for their offenses, do so much for their teams. And, you know, we saw a great game there. Um, I called the Chiefs winning that game. Not often will you see me ever really bet against Mahomes. Uh, I've kind of mostly learned my lesson that way. Uh, you know, but you just knew this was going to be a classic going into it, and, and that's kind of what we got right there. Uh, you know, Mahomes and the offense look completely different from what we've seen before, you know, but they've really kind of found their stride uh, that way. And then the defense has been pretty good too, especially on the back end with a lot of go those guys stepping up their game. Uh, you know, a lot of all pros on that team, and uh, the Chiefs have done a great job, you know, surrounding Mahomes outside of the receiver position. So, yeah. Um, I, I kind of already said all my, my Josh Allen plotter bullshit. I just really like the guy. Hopefully he can, you know, get, get over the hump, get past Mahomes. I think the bills have a very interesting all season coming up. Um, kind of like you said, I don't really know in what direction they go. Like you, you kind of are like, you have to try and compete because you have, a top three quarterback in the NFL. You have a good receiver. You have a decent defense. Like they should be better than they are year over year. But like, I guess we'll see what, what changes are made. Um, I don't think they have a lot of, you know, avenues to improve as drastically as people would like, but um, you know, hopefully they come into next season ready to, you know, really go on a run and not start the, the year so you know like if he losing the turnovers losing games they should win that week one loss to the jets like that kind of summarizes the bill season in a nutshell you know like you do everything that you should do to win the game and you know a mistake here a mistake there ends up costing it for you a big play here a big play there and like honestly i completely forgot that they lost that game but like it makes so much sense now like that bills team that we saw in week one lose to Xavier Gibson punt returns is the, the Bills team that we saw lose in this game. Like they just can't get out of their own way sometimes. And uh, hopefully, you know, they can correct that coming into coming into next season. Um, before we dive into this weekend's games, I do want to talk to you about the Titans new head coach. Yeah. Uh, so let me, I'm going to just throw you the lob and you take it from here. So the Tennessee Titans, have hired Brian Callahan to be their new head coach. He is the former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. He is cited for a and given a decent amount of credit in the development of Joe Burrow and Peyton Manning and Matthew Stafford. Uh, so you know that bodes pretty well for Will Levis moving forward. Um, he didn't call the plays in Cincinnati because Zach Taylor did. But, you know, I think he worked hand-in-hand -hand with Zach Taylor, and he has already come out and said that he will be the one calling the plays in Tennessee. So, yeah. you know, that'll be a, a great, you know, adjustment for him. He's 39 years old. He's the sixth youngest head coach in the NFL. The Titans have the seventh overall pick, and they have the second most cap space in the NFL going into the offseason. A lot of change coming for Tennessee. How do you feel about yeah. the hire, bro? Uh, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I had a few coaches that I really liked going into it. Uh, of course, Sloick was one of those that we've talked about before, of course, uh, especially after that Texans-Browns game. Uh, everyone was kind of pretty high on him after that. Of course, since then, things have kind of died down, so it's interesting to see what happens with Sloick. Uh, another guy I really liked uh, was McDonald. Of course, he does special things on the defensive end. Uh, I wanted to go in an offensive direction, but when you got a guy that can, uh, that's a coordinator as special as McDonald has been, uh, for, you know, for the Ravens, 
how can you not want him to be the head coach of your team in that way? Uh, and, you know, obviously, I, I think you can even bring in and make a pretty good coaching staff and put it together. And then Callahan was also the third coach that uh, I really liked going into it. Um, you know, coming over from Cincinnati, we have a history at Cincinnati. I don't really like Cincinnati a whole bunch. I actually went to the playoff game. We played against them three, two, three years ago or so. Um, wasn't a great experience. We lost. We sacked Joe Burrow nine times and still mm -hmm. lost the game somehow. Ryan Tannehill threw like three interceptions. So it was tough. Um, you know, even beside the point, though, I think Brian Callahan, he has a very extensive uh, coaching history, a coaching background, obviously not just with his father, but just being in different places, uh, you know, being around a lot of different quarterbacks, uh, a lot of different systems, having some diversity that way, uh, even being in Denver, starting off with like a Tim Tebow, having that, you know, that option, that QB run system, uh, you know, having to challenge himself, uh, the whole coaching staff having to challenge themselves and really cater to Tim Tebow's strengths. Uh, and we know how that went. You know, Tim Tebow had a huge victory for the Broncos against the Steelers team in overtime. That was a really fun year for them. Uh, and then obviously having Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, uh, just a lot of different guys, but a lot of different uh, impressive guys in different ways. Uh, we all know who Peyton Manning is. We, You know, Matthew Stafford being one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. Uh, you know, so having a guy like that with that history, history that experience, uh, having the coaching background, um, hopefully having his father come coach with him too, uh, having that support uh, is huge, especially when you have a young quarterback, second-year quarterback going to be Will Levis, who needs some of that development, needs some of that consistency. So having a Brian Callahan to call plays for him, but to also just be that support system that he'll need because he's been around so many great quarterbacks himself, uh, even growing up um, idolizing a Drew Brees and uh, you know learning from him too. So I uh, listened to an interview that he talked about. He just you know believes in consistency, uh, consistency in his approach, being uh, intense if he needs to, but also being a, a coach who can adapt and put his guys in positions to succeed. So not a guy that's just going to have this system um, and run his system no matter what type of players he has, but he's always going to try to adapt. He's always going to put his guys first, uh, kind of be a player's coach that way and put them in uh, positions to succeed You know, for whatever they need that way too. So and I think that's kind of what we saw uh, during his time in, you know, Cincinnati, you know, having that offense change the way it needed to, catering to Joe Burrow, catering to their needs, maybe not always being as great in the run game or as great on the offensive line. You know, so how do we put, you know, this guy, Joe Burrow, how do we help him succeed? How do we utilize our weapons on the outside? How do we get Joe Mixon back into the game? How do we use a Chase Brown? Uh, so even being an instrumental part of that offense, we saw that from Brian Callahan. You know, so I think it's a huge step for uh, Tennessee Titans uh, you know, Rand Carthon being the GM and even getting a promotion not too long ago. Uh, you kind of see the vision he has maybe being a little bit more modern than we what we saw with a, a Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, so I think we're heading in an interesting direction. Of course, having a top 10 pick, seventh pick in the draft will be huge for us uh, to see what we do with that. We have quite a few needs on each side of the ball. Uh, the biggest two needs would be a receiver and an offensive lineman. Um, I always draw back to this comparison, having a Callahan come over some, from Cincy, but they had that choice that one year where it's between Sewell and Chase and they ended up going with Chase uh, and, and just going with free agency as far as uh, bringing an offensive lineman. So I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if that influences the decision. Uh, of course, there's some receivers out there. We could get in free agency, you know, so you have to see what that looks like as far as the best opportunity for us, uh, how the draft board will fall. Um, you know, but I, I feel really good about the future so far. Uh, I think we hired 
a, a really good coach with a great background, a great support system. So I know I put them fourth when we ranked the AFC South teams, but I, I think as the weeks come along here, they might, you know, go up in the rankings to as high as three right above the Jaguars. Beautiful. Yeah, I like to hire for you guys too. And I think like something big that might not be talked about as much as like, I think not that, you know, Brian Callahan had like the pick of whatever job he wanted, but like him taking the Titans job shows that, you know, I think he really does believe in Will Levis and, you know, like having been around so many good quarterbacks, like he to tie himself to Will Levis, like says something, you know, like he believes that like he can be successful and that he can get the best out of him. And I think that's big because there were and still are a lot of question marks with Will Levis. Um, and so like for Brian Callahan to have worked with so many, you know, probably Hall of Fame, that's three Hall of Fame guys probably. And obviously it's early in Joe Burrow's career, but like, let's just say he continues <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to go on this trajectory, like three really good guys and, and like, obviously that's not the only three guys he's worked with, but like the biggest three names. Um, so to see that and, and Will Levis and be able to feel like he can get that something of that caliber out of him is big. And I think it'll be big for his development. So I think that's a good hire out of y'all. Um, the only two teams left without a head coach are my team, the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington commanders because the Panthers hired uh, Dave Canales, the Bucks offensive coordinator, former Seahawks QB coach to be their head coach today. And the Falcons hired Raheem Morris. I believe he is the Rams DC or was the Rams DC. Um, uh, so Bill Belichick will probably be out of a job for this upcoming year, which, or at least a coaching job this upcoming year, which is pretty crazy. Um, uh, for me, I think my number one hire for the Seahawks would be Ben Johnson, but I feel like, that is, you know, I think he was everyone's number one hire, you know, between us and the commanders. I think he would have a job right now had the Lions not <laughs> had the Lions lost last weekend. I think he'd have a job. I think he'll get a head coaching job shortly after the Lions do lose, whenever that may be. Um, between yeah, us he, and the commanders. He didn't even want to. Oh. I don't even think he wanted to take an uh, interview with Titans. No, I think he's rough. locked. Like, you know, yeah, he's locked like he, in. He did not even take an interview with this man. Like, yeah. yeah. I think he interviewed with, like, maybe the Falcons and – the Panthers or something on a Saturday, some some teams, um, some Saturday, and we had requested an interview, and I just never heard anything else about it. So like, he, I don't mm -hmm. think he went to interview with the Titans. It was really funny. No, he, he even, interviewed. So I didn't even list them in like my top three, just because. No, 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 I don't blame you. He he did a first interview with us, but I don't think we've asked him for a or we, we if to my knowledge we haven't done a second one with him or Bobby Slowick. So you know, um. I think between us and the commanders, it's going to be a bit of a battle. Uh, Adam Peters, the former 49ers assistant GM, now the uh, commander's, you know, current GM uh, and, and him have a pretty decent relationship. And I think a lot of people just think it's a foregone conclusion. He will be a commander because, you know, he can kind of build an offense from scratch. Him and Biennemi is also a crazy combo. Um, I think that's going to be a, a really good combo there in, in Washington if he does go there. And then, like, they have the number two pick. He will probably have his pick of either, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May. One of them will fall to two because you can't take both of them at one. And um, so, like, being able to take a quarterback and build an offense around that quarterback from scratch, I think is very appealing. Um, but, again, they are the commanders. You, you know, you, you are going into – a pretty diff, uh, tough division 
you know, not that the NFC West isn't tough, <laughs> but like we, we have built, I, I want to say we've built a better culture. Um, you know, I, I think we're probably a little bit further along than the commanders are team building wise. Like there's a lot more to work with when you come to the Seahawks and there is the commander. So I think there's, you know, pros and cons to each. Um, but like, I would love to have Ben Johnson, you know, you, you see what he's done with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and he gets, you know, stuff out of Josh Reynolds and he's made Sam Laporta, you know, one of the best, have one of the best rookie tight end seasons we've ever seen. He's gotten super incredible production out of both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And when you look at the Seahawks offense, like we have DK Metcalf in place, we have Jackson Smith and Jake, but we have Tyler Lockett, like Geno Smith to Jared Goff. The talent gap isn't that big if there is one at all. We have two running backs and Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet that we would love to get great production out of. And so, like, I think Ben Johnson can come over and, you know, import some of the same, you know, like, strategies and, and and schemes that he's implemented in Detroit and, you know, bring that to Seattle. And so I would love to have Ben Johnson as our head coach. I think, like, the thing is he, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator for too long. And so, like, the experience thing is a little bit of a con in that scenario. But, like, I'm willing to take a chance, you know, like I'd rather take a chance on a Ben Johnson and be wrong than take a chance on a Mike Vrabel and win 10 <laughs> games, win 10 games and have it not amount to anything, you know, like I'd rather shoot for the stars and, and, you know, if we miss, we miss, that's okay. We no longer like removing Pete Carroll from our head coaching spot was, you know, it was super sad, but it also like liberated us in, in, in to some extent because it's tough to fire Pete Carroll because he was such an emblem. Like he was such a crucial part to Seattle culture. He won us our first Super Bowl, got us to our second. And so like, he had such a long leash, but like when you hire a new coach now, like he's not coaching Pete Carroll coached for 14 years that he will not have that same leash. Like if we hire Ben Johnson and after year three, things aren't working out. We own the search for a new one. Like it's not that big of a deal. Coaches come and go every year. Like let's let's shoot for the stars. Maybe we hire Ben Johnson and he's Matt LaFleur or he's Kyle Shanahan or, you know, Mike McDaniel, you know, like maybe that happens or maybe he's Arthur Smith, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to take the chance. Um, and, 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 and so, yeah, if not, uh, if not Ben Johnson, my other two are Frank Smith, the Dolphins offensive coordinator. The problem there is he doesn't call the plays. You know, Mike McDaniel calls the plays. So, like, I don't necessarily know how involved he was in that offense. Granted, like, he's in the, the meetings with them. Like, he knows the schemes. He knows the, the, the pre-snap motions. He knows the route. Like, he knows everything about that offense, probably inside and out, so he can implement that. And I'm sure he has ideas of his own that he wants to bring. So, like, I, the Dolphins offense is just so dynamic that I'm always down to get a piece of that. Um, and, like, the same thing with Brian Callahan. Like, he didn't call the plays. Zach Taylor called them, but, you know, he was still very much involved in that offensive yeah. play calling team. So, um, and then third would be Bobby Slowick. Uh, I, I think for him, a lot of people are talking about, like, him and Adam Peters in, you know, San Francisco overlapped. Like, they're also very cool. So, he could, he could go to the commanders, too. Like, hey, they can't have both of them. It's between Ben Johnson and Slug, they can't hire both. So, um, I, I, you know, I think he could go there as well. You know, he went with D'Amico to uh to San Francisco. I mean, to Houston. Became his offensive coordinator. He's only been play calling for a year, but you know, he turned that offense from one of the literally one of the worst offenses in the league. Took a rookie quarterback and turned him into one of the most 
safe with the ball, does not throw turnovers, a dynamic, efficient offenses in the NFL. And so, you know, Gino, why can't you do that with Gino Smith? Like it's 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 very it's I can very much see it. So if we hire one of Frank Smith, uh, Bobby Slowick, or Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson being one for me, um, then I'll be happy. I don't want Vrabel. I'm sorry. I know he was great for you guys. I don't want him. I don't want. I don't want Dan Quinn. Uh, I don't want what Patrick Graham, the the uh, the Raiders DC. I'm okay. I want an offensive minded head coach. Because you bring in a defensive-minded head coach, you bring in Patrick Graham, he's going to bring in an offensive coordinator. If that offensive coordinator is good, he's getting poached. And then we're on the, the, the run, we're on the search for a new offensive coordinator. So, you know, Shane Waldron already got poached. He's the Bears OC now. So, you know, like we already don't have an OC. <laughs> so, like, I, I just think, like, if we're going to hire a coach, he has to be the one calling the plays and, you know, masterminding the offense. Because if not, we're going to be looking for a new one in a couple of years anyway. Um, hey man, so no, so yeah. no Mike McDonald, man, at all. Oh, I didn't even. I, okay, so I didn't mention Mike McDonald, and I would be very, very happy if we hired him. The thing is, there's some stupid rule in the NFL that, like, if you don't like request an interview or like do something within like three days of the season ending, then you can't interview like a certain coach until their season's over. And like, we still had Pete Carroll as our head coach before three days after the season that deadline passed. So we can't talk to Mike McDonald until the Ravens season ends, which might be <laughs> like mid February. So, so like we might not want to wait. Um, but I'll be very happy with Mike McDonald. He's also a defensive guy, though. So, like, know, yeah. if it was between Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, I would want Ben Johnson. Yeah. If it was between Bobby Sullivan and Mike McDonald, I think that gets a little bit more eh for me. But I would still probably take the offensive guy just because that's the way the league is turned nowadays. So, um, yeah. But I think there's a lot of good options for us. Like, none of my top options have been hired. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm – very happy with with what we have left between us and the commanders like hey they got they got the number you know, two pick man that's i i get it i <laughs> do but they're the commanders you know man, got, like hey got, rg3 like was the number two pick rg3 is number two pick and hey, we'll have in there yeah, <laughs> so but you know you I know think, how it goes so come on you know how it goes. i get it i i 100 get it but if i was a head coach and i had to choose between drake may and the commanders or you know going to seattle I would choose going to Seattle. I'll be honest, and I'm not—I'm not a Drake May guy, but you know, hey, we'll see what uh, Ben Johnson wants to do. Um, hopefully, he's a Seattle head coach. But if not, you know, I can't wait to you know blow out the Commanders and you know shit talk them. Um, and so, but that brings us to our uh, conference championship games: uh, Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Lions. Uh, I'll let you take it first. Chiefs, Ravens. Talk to me. Who you got winning? Chiefs, Ravens, man. Oh, gosh. Uh, I have the Ravens winning this game. I said earlier, not many times I'm going to bet against Mahomes. Wait, you have who? Uh, Wait, who? Who? I have the Ravens winning this game. <laughs> it fucking ends on <laughs> Sunday, Khalil. It's not going on any longer. He's not fucking going <laughs> to the Super Bowl again. It's not happening. Why, why, why are you so, like, why? <laughs> I'm not even like anti Mahomes, but he's just not going to fool me. So. Like, why are you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been saying all season they're not the same team. I refuse to believe it. No, he's not was, doing it again. That was crazy. So it ends. It ends. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I 
I love Mahomes. I think he's great. Uh, it's hard for me to bet against Mahomes, pick against Mahomes. But I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. Uh, he's probably my favorite player uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, this is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a back and forth in a way, uh, a chess match on both sides of the football because you got you know a lot of great coordinators, you got a lot of great play callers, uh, you have a lot of great player matchups. You know, so it's going to be a lot that way. You're going to have McDonald and Reed. You're going to have Munkin and Spags, Jackson Holmes. You're going to have the trenches. I said Jackson Holmes. Jackson versus Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, you're going to have Jackson versus Mahomes. Lamar versus Mahomes. I just say Lamar. Uh, it, you know, I think it's going to be a special matchup in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, but I'd like to see the Chiefs get the run game going a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they can spread it out the same way. Uh, especially against uh, this Ravens defense. You know, I, I don't think the Buffalo the Buffalo Bills defense is fine, right? But I don't think that it's the Ravens defense, you know, so I think it's going to be maybe a little bit more of a, a few hurdles for the Chiefs to get through that way. And I think Mahomes, honestly, at the end of the day, is going to have to be special uh, to get past this Ravens team, uh, you know, because they're so dynamic on both sides of the football. You know, as we talked about it earlier, you know, they have special players all around, a lot of all-pro talent type of guys, uh, you know, but can he – can they win on the outside? Can they take advantage of a, a banged up, you know, Ravens secondary, whether it be Humphrey or something like that? You know, can they get the run game going a little bit? Can they be healthy? Uh, you know, on their end, I think Joe Thune, uh might be a little banged up himself. You know, so how how are they going to navigate? You know, those hurdles. Uh, it's interesting to see how the Ravens approach uh, the defensive side. Um, I think those tackles over in Kansas City are a little bit, uh, you know, suspect that way. So how can they generate pressure? Uh, we've seen in the past. Pressure Mahomes typically never ends well for the other team. And, you know, so how can they generate pressures without exactly traditionally blitzing uh, that way? And we saw them give C.J. Stroud fits. And, of course, Mahomes is miles ahead of C.J. Stroud, especially mentally when it comes to just playing in the NFL. You know, so I, I can't wait to see just that matchup with the, the Mahomes against that, you know, that defense uh, and, and that blitz attack. And then, you know, can the run game get going for the Ravens, too? Uh, I think it, it's going to be pretty pivotal against this Chiefs team. Uh, you know, QB runs with Lamar is going to – it kind of opened them up against Houston Texans, and I think it's going to open up, uh, especially going up against a Kansas City team. You know, so we're going to have to see that get going. Uh, Spags is a phenomenal play caller uh, in his own right, especially with dialing up blitzes himself. Uh, but his defensive line is going to have to be pretty stacked. Uh, they're going to have to be pretty um, – they're going to have to be pretty consistent and holding themselves up in the run game, especially too, because, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, blitzing against that Ravens team, you don't want to put yourself in a bad position that way. So we'll have to see what that looks like, uh, but also just trying to find different ways to put pressure on Lamar because we've seen what he looks like when he has a lot of time, uh, you know, back there in the pocket, uh, being able to create with his legs, whether it be actually running the football, tucking it away, or, you know, exposing the defense, using his legs, passing down the field too. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. There's a lot of different, you know, ways to look at it. But I do have the Ravens um, over the Kansas City Chiefs. And we are two for two on this episode, brother. So if I go down, you going down with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, listen, Lamar Jackson is the chosen one. He will be the one to put an end to this little Mahomes era you've got going on here. And I'm no, I'm far from a Mahomes hater. And I know that that is, like, not evident in this current point in time. But I promise you, I acknowledge greatness. He's insanely good. I, hey, I also want some parody. 
<laughs> let's get <laughs> let, let's get some different Super Bowl champions here. Okay, let's make it interesting. So I'm gonna go ahead and say the Ravens win. Uh, I said I'll never pick against Mahomes again. If he wins this one, I promise you there will never be another time <laughs> we come up here and talk about Chiefs games that I don't pick the Chiefs. Same. But I'm picking the Ravens. Uh, they gave up the 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 Chiefs gave up 182 rushing yards to the Bills. Now imagine what Lamar Jackson. <laughs> now imagine what Lamar Jackson's gonna do, man. Uh, I think the Ravens have had the better and more efficient offense for the majority of the season. They have the better defense. They are the better team, I think. Uh, the Chiefs do have the better QB. And a lot of times, that can be all that matters. But I just don't think that in this matchup, that will be what decides it for them. Um, we saw the Ravens struggle in the first half last game, and then they literally scored whenever they wanted four straight possessions after half, getting points. They've been pretty dominant all season when Lamar has played. I think they'll give the Chiefs offense problems. They are the best defense in the NFL and have been for them, I want to say, the entire season. And so I said it last week. I've been saying all year that this is not the same Chiefs team and that they can't just do what they did last for the past five, six years to get to the chip. And I truly do believe that. And so I think this is the game. And I know I said this last week, but this is actually the game. That, you know, ends the Chiefs season and ends the little Patrick Mahomes every year Super Bowl thing. Um, and so, yeah, I wait, I'm not even going to get not even want to talk to you more about it because <laughs> when I'm wrong, it's going to be a lot to backtrack. But I'm taking the Ravens to advance to the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, boom. Whew. When he wins, who if Mahomes wins, that's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Seriously, I can't stress enough how like just defensively how fun of a game this is gonna be. Just because you got two probably two of the best play callers on the defensive end going up against each other, and then uh, two of the three, four best quarterbacks in the league going against each other. So how do those defensive coordinators, you know, game plan, strategize against those two QBs? So it's just. It's just, it's gonna be great. I can't wait to watch. Can't wait. Hopefully, it's a game of the year. Hopefully, it lives up to the hype. Um, last but not least, the NFC Championship game. We have 49ers, Lions, uh, the second and third ranked offenses in the NFL. Uh, the Lions actually have what I want to say. I was just looking it up. Uh, at home, obviously, this is in San Francisco. So on the road, the Lions are the best run defense in the NFL by a pretty significant margin. Like over the second best is New England, and it's only by 0.5 yards. But other than that, like the next best defense after those two is Chicago at 87.1. The Detroit Lions only give up 82.2 rushing yards on the road. Um, and obviously, CMC had was a massive part of their win last season against Green Bay, and he's a massive part of their success all season. But, you know, the Lions are pretty well-equipped to stop the run, and, and they have been all year. They're the second-best total run defense in the NFL, not taking like taking into account home games, uh, road games, just total on the, the season, total body of work, the second-best run defense in the NFL. Granted, the 49ers are the third-best, so, you know, and, and they like to get things going with Jameer and, and David Montgomery, but and you, both teams like to get their running backs involved through the air. So, you know, I, I think we will see a, a pretty good matchup here. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think – Think it 
can be pretty similar to like you know the 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 game script of Packers 49ers and that maybe the Lions get out to a, a, an early lead and the the 49ers kind of have to look with deep within and storm back but I just think the overall talent will be too much for the Lions to overcome and I think the the team of destiny the dream season the Dan Campbell kneecaps get you know, get get gets ended here, and I think we have a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl a re, Christmas Day rematch. Uh, and hey, just a spoiler, I think we see the same result. Um, in that matchup, but after this matchup, I have the 49ers winning this one and advancing to yet another Super Bowl in the Kyle Shanahan era. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with you. I also have the 49ers winning this game. Uh, you know, so we pick the same here. Uh, you know, for this matchup, man, I just um. I think it's going to be a good matchup, too, though. I'm not sure it's going to be a blowout. I think the Lions match up very well with the 49ers up front, um, especially with the Lions being able to establish the run game. Uh, offensively, they are – going back to Jameer Gibbs, he, again, is a special talent, like special player. Uh, they need to get him the ball more, especially going up against a defense like this that is so fast, so physical, so athletic. Uh, so him being able to be a game-changer against a defense like this, they're going to need that juice. They're going to need um, his playmaking – uh, and then also being able to establish the run game, they're going to need that just so they can get golf in a comfortable situation. Um, I think he'll be comfortable for the most part just because that offensive line, uh, 49ers pass rush hasn't been the same this season, of course. So if they can find different ways to pressure him, that'll help out a lot. But I think golf will need to be the same as he was last week, being able to you know drive throws, put pressure on the defense. Uh, you know, make those, some of those perfect throws that he did against the Buccaneers. You know, so that, I think that's a game plan for the Lions up front. Defensively, uh, it's kind of where I'm worried about them again. I said the same thing last week. Uh, you know, but I still think this is a different beast when you look at the 49ers. Uh, I'm worried about the defense, and they're going to need to. You talked about the run game, especially being on the road. I think they're going to have to pick what to stop when it comes to that 49ers offense. Uh, and I think they're going to have to, you know, try to stop the run game. Um, I've, of course, that comes with some a lot of risk and maybe even some consequences uh, trying to stop the run game and maybe selling out on it at least. Here and there, I, I, but I just think if you let them run the ball, it's going to open up everything else in that offense. Uh, so if you can put the pressure on Brock Purdy, who struggled last week, of course, uh, in weather conditions, the weather's gonna, probably going to be fine this weekend. Uh, but if you can make it difficult for him, give him different looks, make it hard for him, uh, I think you give yourself the best chance. And hopefully you can make some plays off of uh, that pressure you can put on him and him making some mistakes uh, like he almost did against the Packers last week. Uh, but, I, again, I think the Lions match up well. Uh, but I think the 49ers um, are the better team uh, on both sides of the ball. I think Brock Purdy will mostly be fine in this game, actually. Uh, I think he'll respond well. I think he'll be in a comfortable position. Uh, I think the weather will be fine. I think he'll have to control the ball. And I think he'll get some of that rust off that we saw last week. And I think he'll be good there, too. Uh, this defense has struggled here some. Uh, you know, they just haven't been the same. But if they can find ways to make plays, you can see out of Fred Warner, you can see out of a Drake Greenlaw, even hopefully see some uh, Bosa make some plays. Uh, I think, you know, those stars will come up big where they need them to. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Kyle Shanahan can get them together. But I have the 49ers over the lines. Boom. Like I said, we are two for two. So if I go down, you're going down with me, brother. But hopefully we're both right and we see a Ravens uh, 49ers Super Bowl. I think that's probably been the two best teams for the majority of the season. You know, both one seeds, both got the bye. I think that's what everything has been kind of leading towards. And unless Patrick Mahomes has other things in mind. But um, 
we shall see. So we shall be back next week to go over the games we just talked about and talk about the Super Bowl matchup. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Run It Up podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the pod on YouTube. Leave a like, a comment, tell your friends about it. Leave a five star rating review anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Whatever you listen to on the pod right now, do what is the good thing to do for podcasts. You know, like if you're listening on YouTube, go leave a comment. If you're listening on, you know, like a podcast app, leave a review, you know. Um, follow us on Twitter at Run It Up Pod. Follow us on TikTok at the Run It Up Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Najee Adams underscore Khalil on Twitter at Below44. And Justice on Twitter at J Reed underscore. Um, everything will be in the description. <laughs> say it like that every week. <laughs> because I never remember. Like it always feels like, yeah. Maybe you know underscore every week. <laughs> every week, you know, you know, gotta keep you on your toes. Um, but yeah, that'll do it with this episode. I hope you guys have a litty day, a litty night, a litty life, and just like we do on every episode of this podcast, make sure y'all go run it up. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Run It Up Podcast. If you want to keep up and see what Najee is up to, follow him on Twitter at NajeeAdams underscore. Hit him with some questions or topics that you want to hear in the next episode of the Run It Up Podcast.